Okay. Thank you for that excellent introduction, uh, Brandon. I was air drumming the whole time, and it was awesome. <laughs> what do you think we're talking about today? <laughs> Mystery. I think, <laughs> I think we're talking about Sherlock Holmes. Exactly. We're actually talking about Sherlock oh, no, Holmes' no, no, no. Game no. of Shadows. <laughs> no, sorry. My bad. The Notebook. Oh, even better. No, today <laughs> we are two weeks late beginning our celebration of Star Wars. Yay! And whose fault is that? That is my fault because I was on vacation and I was busy. And then she came back and two days before our next recording, she's like, by the way, I'm going to do a thing again. You know, it's hard being fully vaccinated and having people invite you to do things. Oh, (laughs) fuck off. Um, So, uh, welcome to our podcast, Themes. It's been a little bit. Um, We're joined by our good friend, Matt, again, to discuss uh, Star Wars A New Hope. Yay. Um, Glad to be here to talk about Star Wars again. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> the ongoing Star Wars saga. Um, yeah. <laughs> we are going to have like another like Star Wars. Yeah, there, we're going to have like so many Star Wars episodes by I the mean... end. By the time we're like, okay, I think I'm done with this podcast. We're going to have like 47 different Star Wars episodes. Right, I guess this is my fourth one because uh, what we did both seasons of Mandalorian and then we did Rogue One, right? Yeah, so, yeah. This, this is, this is my, my fourth. This will be now our most covered uh, group Topic. of movies. And, yep. and it's not about to stop anytime soon either. Because nope. we've been talking about it, doing at least four more. Yep, that is true. Yep. Um, so uh, we're going to run things a little bit differently today. We're not going to just go through the movie like we normally do. We're going to um, kind of just talk about, because everyone's seen Star Wars. If you haven't seen Star Wars... W- where have you been? What have you been doing? Um, watch the movie before you listen to this, because all we're going to do is just kind of discuss the things that we love, uh, things that we don't like, which is very few and far between. But there are some things, um, you know, characters, plot, all sorts of fun stuff. Um, I kind of wanted to start it off and ask both of you, uh, when was the first time you ever saw this movie? And what were your initial thoughts? And obviously, we're all into it now, so <laughs> you liked it. Matt? Mm, when was the first time I saw Star Wars? I have absolutely no idea. Young, because um, both of my brothers and my dad were really into it. So I don't know, maybe I would say like first or second grade, maybe. So like six, seven years old. But I, yeah. I honestly don't remember the first time I watched it. Brennan, do you remember? Uh, I do believe I was indoctrinated in the womb. Um, That's probably true. <laughs> that is probably true. Um, I I can't... I, I'm the same with Matt. I can't remember the first time I saw it. I do have an earliest memory of watching it. When I was in third grade. 
But before that, like, I've definitely seen it before that. But I just don't know. I don't remember when. But I've definitely been seeing it since I was a little kid. Yeah, I, I remember... don't either. <laughs> yeah, I think my family had the that, like, uh, kind of gold-colored trilogy uh, VHS box set. Ah, yes. <laughs> yeah, we definitely had the VHS like a bunch of VHS tapes. I think that's also the interesting thing about these movies is the slow, weird changes that have happened to it over time, um, yeah. which we can get into later in the podcast. Um, I will. Can, can I say one thing though? I, yeah. I just realized my earliest memory of star Wars playing the star Wars game on dad's computer at work in LA. Baker's Canyon, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Baker's Canyon. And of course, I was probably like five, so I couldn't do anything. But I remember yeah. it being very hard. I, I remember it being very hard. crashed into the walls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Constantly crashing into the walls. Um, but other than that, no idea. But games definitely were a huge part. Yeah, I yep. think this movie is really interesting because we've all were kind of indoctrinated into this Star Wars universe from like our earliest memories. It's been omnipresent in our lives, just like it has been in in many, many people around the world's lives. And I think that's also why it's really interesting to kind of revisit, especially this first one of how, like why it was so popular and how it was game changing in terms of culture and um yeah because everyone's obsessed with it really i mean we have a freaking holiday for it now do you, <laughs> do you think this is the most seen movie of all time ooh possibly i feel like it might be i so i i met a couple people in college that had never seen it and but other than that like pretty much everyone i've I know has seen this movie and it's been out for 50 years. Yeah. And it's like, everyone's watched it um, at least once. I mean, many people watch it all the time. Um, obviously there's been offs into toys and games and uh, video games and theme parks and all that stuff. It's kind of impossible not to be part of the star Wars universe at this point. Um, yeah. But I, I I think kind of where I want to start is at the very beginning and thinking about this opening sequence in terms of uh, how impactful it was and like how it sets up the story. And I wanted to know your guys' thoughts. Definitely. I So I was watching it um, uh, yesterday and I, I kind of was trying to approach it kind of with fresh eyes, like if I had never seen it before. And the opening sequence really stood out to me. Like the whole, probably until, um, before they, uh, until they leave Tatooine. I thought that like from start till they leave Tatooine was really interesting to me. Um, because they basically explain nothing. You're going through and they're like, dropping some like references and they're talking about um a lot of backstory they're, they're, they're not they're not like giving you any backstory but 
it so it makes it feel like you're kind of starting in the middle of this adventure and i thought that was really cool and i don't think a lot of movies now do that where it feels like a lot of movies now probably they kind of have to explain everything yeah or they're from existing ip so yeah so people know oh it's a comic book that i'm familiar with or something like that it it's i i was thinking a lot about that too where it's just um yeah, they kind of just drop you into the middle of it. I was just listening to all this jargon and stuff that they throw in. We all think of it as pretty normal at this point. But at the time when this came out, you're just like, I don't know how anyone could follow half the stuff what these people are saying. But, but it they just they don't really explain anything. They don't explain like Obi-Wan Kenobi talks about the Clone Wars. No one ever explains what that is. <laughs> They, they're yeah. like, ah, yes, your father fought in the Clone Wars. And you're like, oh, I guess that's yeah, a thing. I, <laughs> they did a great that, job of, like, hinting at things, but then not not fully, like, oh, this is what that is. Like, they didn't have to do any of that. Yeah. It, well, what I really love is it is, like, a perfect example of soft storytelling. Of We're going to throw in these things. Like, the names themselves allow you to kind of figure out what they are. I mean, Clone Wars. You're like, all right. Some wars with a lot of clones. Got it. Cool. Um, but, you know, you don't really need to know any more of that. That's the only time it ever comes up, bef- you know, before the prequel trilogy. Um, but it's it's really great how, because they don't really explain a whole lot, um, you're, you are able to kind of draw your own conclusions. And I think that's one of the really great things about the whole Star Wars universe is that each movie comes along, you know, they don't really define what things are, but they kind of steer the direction in which on in how you should think about a certain topic. Um, but yeah, it's I, I agree with you, Matt. Like they don't say <laughs> anything really. I think that's why this movie also transported people so much when it first came out, where it's just a an entirely immersive universe. You're just immediately in it, and you kind of have to figure things out while you go along or watching it again. I mean, people went to see this movie like seven, eight times in the theaters uh, when it first came out. And I think also the beginning part with, um, you know, the whole long time ago in a galaxy far, far away immediately sets you up for this is going to be a story about something that you have no idea about. You can't like connect it to your everyday life. There's no history for you to draw on. There's no uh, universe that you're aware of that is the same as this universe. And you're immediately right in the middle of it. And and you're just going to go on this adventure and i yeah. think that's why people became so obsessed with the star wars universe because you're just dropped into this movie into this yeah. world Bef- before the movie has started you are separated by both space and time mm-hmm. and and so there's nothing you can relate to which is pretty fantastic and then what's even better is that it's it's a really long time ago and yet they're far more technologically advanced than us <laughs> <laughs> which yeah, is awesome <laughs> which is a great a great notion to play with which is like yeah we are we are young we are very very new to the scene <laughs> absolutely and i think that's also 
because it's so the universe itself is so complicated and they don't explain a lot i think and brennan and i were actually talking about this the other day about why it's so important that the story itself is actually very simple um because you know i i again i was watching like matt said i was trying to watch this with kind of fresh eyes and how I would have perceived it the first time. And it's like, everything is very, despite all the, you know, different names for different uh, races and planets and gadgets and robots and all this stuff that's going on um, and all these references in the force, which is some religion, you know, all this stuff. The, the core story is super simple, very easy to follow. Each character that you meet, you know immediately what the, who they are and what their role is. Just by yeah. like the way they dress, the way they act in each character's first scene. You're just like, oh, that's the bad guy. Oh, that's our, our hero. This is this, you know, this is the space wizard Obi-Wan. <laughs> He's gonna be the mentor. Um, the whole thing... Uh, is very easy to follow and it's also very universal which makes it even though it's a you know long time ago in a galaxy far away it's still completely relatable yeah it's um actually no i'm not gonna go because that's a discussion for a different time um yeah it is it is very simple it's very and i it's very important that they they do that and it is a very you know it, it is a symbol. It's almost like a cut and paste sort of thing. Like they have the generic script for a hero's story. And then they were just like, we need a mentor, Obi-Wan. We need a hero, Luke. He doesn't want to go. Why? Because he has to take care of his aunt and uncle. They die. Okay, time to go. <laughs> you know, it's it, it does follow the hero's journey, the hero's journey to a point. And because it's that simple, it's really like you don't have to concern yourselves of yourself about, you know, oh, how does the lightsaber work? It's like who gives a fuck about how the lightsaber works? It's a sword that turns on and off. This is awesome. It's the coolest thing yeah. anyone's ever come up with. <laughs> yeah. It turns on, it turns off. It's there, it's gone. It's made of light, but it's cool. This is not can cut off someone's arm. Blasters <laughs> off of it? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah and it's, so it's it. simple, but also I think because it's so simple, it's really strong. Like, it's yeah. not yeah. convoluted. And, like, what, okay, like, one of the most obvious criticisms of movies is, like, with MacGuffins. This is actually has a MacGuffin that is not. It, like it actually serves a purpose which is the death star plans so it's like mm -hmm. i think that the fact that that was not just like a useless like i don't know powerful gemstone or like some random thing you know where it like actually has value to the story um later on i think that's really one of the things in the in the plot and the story that makes it so strong is from the beginning, you see the plot device that is going to lead to the Empire's downfall. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, we've been talking about how the, the story is so simple. Let's also just take... We, this may just get us onto a whole new topic, but... Fuck it. Uh, can we... The score. Every complex thought that you 
could have is conveyed by the score. You know, it's a, you know, a simple moment becomes infinitely more sophisticated with the right music behind it. And I think there's nothing better than Luke looking at the twin sunset. That's the most odd. Yeah. I was going to bring that one up because that really changes the scene for that. It's so simple. It's like, I want to go be with my friends, but because of that music, that theme, you're like, there's something more to this. You know, it's not just, yeah, there's a longing to find his own place. There's a longing to be away from this current location, from this current life. I don't want to be a farmer. Yeah, yeah. And then there's also this desire to engage in the outside universe. You know, he's been only affected by by the outside universe. He wants to be a part of it. And that's all conveyed through that music. Um, with also a hint of there's something else at work here and you just have to go for the ride, which is awesome. Yeah, I I mean, even just like, let's just talk about that scene in general, because I like when I was watching this again, like today, I I was watching it that scene and I was going, this is the scene where I'm 100% in on Star Wars. This is the scene that grabs me emotionally, visually, everything where I'm just, I'm invested in this story. I'm invested in these characters. That's where I'm off and running every time. Can um, I counter that? Yes. So, yes, I completely agree. This is where the emotional heart comes in. I think the hook is that opening sequence of the the title page and you're like oh this is awesome and then it immediately follows up with the two ships and the first like that was one of i i also you know tried to look at through watch this through fresh eyes and when the first you know light cruiser goes by you're like oh look it's a cruiser and they're firing back and and then you see like this other ship come over and then it keeps going and it keeps going, and you're like, oh my god, it's this little ship versus this huge fucking monster. There's no way they're going to get away from that. That hooked me. But emotionally, the sunset moment got me invested. Yeah, I cry every time I see that scene, to to be absolutely honest. It's um, hard not to. Yeah, and to even add on to Brennan, what you were saying about that opening scene with the ships, the other part that I know that I really took note of this time was how it starts with just the view of one planet, and it's kind of far away, and then you see that there's actually multiple planets in the shot where there's a big one that you're right over, and then the couple in the distance, and it immediately puts you into this is a we're in a a galaxy. This isn't going to just take place on one planet. This is we're going to be in multiple places. We're going to be traveling through space and, and different environments, which I thought was cool. Yeah. Mm, yeah. It immediately makes it very vast, I guess, feeling. Agreed. Uh, yeah, definitely. So also talking about this, like the early parts, I also like how I, or I thought it was kind of funny especially r2d2 and c3po's journey um to like to luke where they have this 
this part where they like uh, when they land, right? And they're on the they're on they land on Tatooine, and then they have like that argument and split up. And then, like, literally a scene later, they're reunited. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I was just thinking, like, I wonder why they put this in here. Like, it's, <laughs> like, where did they come up with the idea of, like, okay, we'll split them up, and, okay, they're neither back together. <laughs> I think it's also what? funny that the protocol droid, um, who is supposed to have, you know, this vast knowledge of the universe, um... Is like, yeah, let's stay away from the rocky area because there's no way that there are settlements in a rocky area. There's settlements in the middle of a dune sea. You're like, no, no. If you see rocks, go for the rock. Like, go, go there. What are you doing? I I did love the attention to detail in those parts, though, where like, like, especially in the opening where you see them because. Both of the droids are, like, absolutely filthy. And, like, yeah. adding that part to it, where even... So even when they're on the ship, they're dirty, but then, like, after walking around in the desert, they're, like, even worse. <laughs> and then I yeah. like how they they clean it all, clean them off with the oil bath. Mm-hmm. It's like, now they're all right. And, I mean, that's another thing that I love about Star Wars, is I feel like it was one of the earliest... One of the earlier movies that was that said space is dirty. Guess what? It's not all going to be clean and cool. And you know, two thousand one Space Odyssey, everything's white and pristine. It's dirty. All these ships are like patched together with bits and pieces of shit. Things are falling yeah. apart. It's not. But it's it- not the super cool future that I think we see in a lot of other films. It looks but lived it- in. Also, but it also is that 2001 Space Odyssey, right? Because on the light cruiser, you know, when we when the movie first starts, everything is white. Everything True. is white. Everything is really shiny and clean. Um, but I do like how, um, as you said, like after that, we don't get that at, anymore. Like the only well, thing, the only time we ever see something that's clean is the Death Star, but that's all yeah. black. It's not white. It's black and gray, and it's, you know, like, you don't have to keep it clean because it's dark. Yeah, how I, dirty do you think the Death Star actually is on the inside if you put, like, a white over dirty. it? Yeah, I, and I think that's dirty. good attention to detail, too, where, like, the you can see who holds the power based on how clean something is yeah. in, the, in the movie. Yeah. Like, the Death Star, everyone's got, like, tight uniforms and they're like they've got droids sweeping the floor and everything's beautiful and then you're like in an x-wing and there's just like scratches on all over the dashboard and like even the soldiers in this first scene when you see them like there's a clear difference in strength between the rebel soldiers and uh and the stormtroopers so i mean also, stormtroopers freaking suck at shooting. That's pretty, <laughs> was, but in this, uh, I think in this scene, you don't, you can't tell that yet. I and mean, then you just I, have like these guys running around in weird hats, and they're just like, <laughs> you can tell they're just like they can, they just cast like totally normal, average people. They're like, hey, you're a crew member. You want to put on this weird hat and shoot a gun? 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, actually, I think you can tell how bad the storm... Okay, so I think if it was for real my first time and I didn't know this whole like joke about how bad the stormtroopers are at shooting people um I wouldn't notice because it's just so exciting in the in the opening but when I was watching the opening today I was just going this is a hallway with literally nowhere to hide there's hardly any crevices for these guys to be behind they're crouching in the middle of a hallway with guns and yet the stormtroopers still can't shoot them they're in the wide open (laughs) i think where it's really obvious is when uh later when when they're on the death star and luke and leia are like pinned and they can't get them there like totally on the bridge on the bridge yeah, yeah, that's when it's the most obvious. It's like, oh my god, these stormtroopers can't hit a thing. No, oh yeah, and- no, that that is definitely the part where it's like straight up they can't shoot anything in the hallway. Though it's not so bad. However, there are a couple times, like there's there's one time where a stormtrooper is like going to a side door and he's like checking to see if anyone's in there, and he shoots twice, but he shoots up. And I'm just like, why are you shooting the ceiling, bro? Like, what? Choreography. Yeah, Choreography. I don't. I mean, a- one a- of the a- funny. I can't see in this damn thing. Yeah, well, we know they can't really see in the helmet, so the helmets don't really help, I guess. But also, um, the the other thing I noticed is it's just a funny throwaway line. Really, later when they come across the the um, the Jawa. Um, I don't know cruiser or whatever it is track. But I don't know. Yeah, sandwalker. When they cut, co- when they come across the sand crawler and they're like, "Ooh, this must have been sand people." And Obi Wan Kenobi goes, "No, but look at these blast shots. Too accurate for sand people." I'm like, "How inaccurate are the sand people? Because we know the stormtroopers suck. <laughs> like, yeah. How are these accurate?" It cracked yeah. me up. I laughed a it lot. Is- it is. It is pretty. It's pretty fantastic. Uh, you know, it's it's a silly thing, but you know, the fans love it. It's so ridiculous. It's great. And what's even better is that they, con like, they constantly bring it up in future stuff. I mean, just think of the Mandalorian at the end of season one, where they're they're waiting for the okay to go into town. Um, they have the kid, and they're just like, you know, whatever. We're gonna shoot like this can on the ground, and they one guy pulls out his blaster pistol. He's trying to shoot it, and he can't hit it. And he keeps like shaking the gun, like, is there something wrong with the gun? He tries shooting it again. He can't hit it. The other guy's, oh my god, dude, it's just a can. Just shoot it, and he can't shoot it either. <laughs> Like, yeah, I do enjoy that it's just kind of a running it's a running joke throughout the entire Star Wars universe at this point. However, uh, at the same time there are those moments where they do shoot someone and there's always like a little moment where it's like didn't miss. Yes. <laughs> Score. Like, I shot that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty great. Um Let's see. Where are my other notes? Um, I, so, I mean, unless there's more stuff we really want to talk about the beginning, I was also thinking we can talk about um, 
the hive of scum and villainy. Um, I, I have one more thing. Oh, yes. <laughs> I think it, it's the most obvious in in uh, the early scenes, but maybe they do it later on. It's I think it's the most obvious in the desert, but uh, the scene transitions. Oh, where my God. They just doing me screen, They just do screen wipes. It's freaking PowerPoint level. <laughs> yeah. It I always love, makes me can, laugh. You can tell, and I think a lot of the sets also... You can tell they're like like small sets, and they're clearly doing this like on a budget. Oh, yeah. Like this this movie doesn't have a like may, well maybe for the time it's a ton of money put into it, but um you can tell like but they do I think they do a really good job of hiding the fact that this is basically a homemade video. Yeah. And I think this to the like credit of the score i think if you don't have any music in this it makes it a lot more obvious yeah i agree and i mean even look at um brennan and i have talked about this before about the number of locations in the film where a new hope is very simple there's only what did we say six locations total in this Uh, entire yeah five or six locations total in this entire movie there's not a lot Especially as you get into even um, the Empire Strikes Back. We were talking about Empire Strikes Back. Oh, we were talking about Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, all of them are very simple, but I think that's also what allows them to have so much detail where you can tell they really worked on their, this is our one set. We're going to make it awesome. We're going to turn this trash can into a robot and you're going to accept what it is. (laughs) We're not going to explain what its function is. But... (laughs) We had a big plastic dome. It's now a robot. <laughs> the robots are great, especially in the uh, Jawa crawler. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're pretty. I mean, the droids are just fun. I mean, th- creatively, this is a brilliant film of just all this stuff here and there. It's, yeah, it's absolutely a low budget film. I would even describe it as a very high budget homemade film but yeah yeah i think so but it's i I mean and they did spend a lot of money on this for the time they put in something like 200 million dollars into this movie you know some ridiculous amount of money into it and it all worked you know it all worked the sets are really cool. You totally believe you're in some other place. They built some. Small little. towns in the <laughs> also they're they're no! like um eye contact when he goes where like, he goes oh i want to get out of or do you know who obi-wan kenobi is and you can see them make eye contact and you're like oh you guys are full of secrets i don't know about you guys <laughs> Uncle yeah. Owen's like, oh, this shit again. <laughs> God damn it, Anakin. <laughs> Coming back to haunt us. Yeah, it's... I, 
I would say it's it's not so much the Anakin connection. Um, they they kind of hint at this a bit more in uh like the animated TV shows and, and whatnot, but like Obi Wan is always around. He's you know he's off in the distance. He's not interacting with the family, but he's always around. And so in that regard, I have. It, it, I think that look is less like, you know, oh, Anakin. It's more like Obi-Wan again. No, yeah, I well, mean, they probably feel like they're being watched constantly. I mean, you know? technically oh, yeah. they are, really. They are. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's for their protection, but still, like, they probably don't like it because they want privacy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, neither of them signed up to be the <laughs> the guardians of of. Uh, the most one of the most important kids in the universe, apparently. Um, yeah, a complete secret to the outside to the universe that could have huge ramifications for the future. Um, you know, and you have a former Jedi master and member of the Jedi Council, you know, kind of just chilling on a dew back over on the cliff, looking over them, just like, hmm, I see I the think- boys getting big. I think also the the thing is is that by uh, Luke becoming more interested in Obi Wan, because especially in the beginning, you get the impression that oh, Obi Wan's just kind of this old man who's around that Luke knows, but he's not necessarily super interested in him. But when the droids show up and Luke starts going well, ask asking questions, I guess, or or getting interested it's like oh no he's getting he's going to get too close to learning more and therefore it's going to put him and them in danger because uh-huh. the more he knows and especially since he already wants to leave in the first place and they're obviously trying to keep him from leaving because have of what's out there for him uh it just it makes it more complicated and it's just going to unsettle their entire lives that they built. Yeah. Also yeah. and like knowing that that scene where he walk like walks out and goes and looks at the two setting suns, knowing that that's pretty much the last time that they talk, it makes that scene way like it hits harder, you know. Yeah. Like I maybe so I guess they hint that maybe Aunt Beru like talked with him in the morning before he left because she knows like where he went. Well, yeah, he, where he says he went, but like probably he'd never talk to Uncle Owen again after that. You know, kind of yeah. hits hard. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I kind of want to move on from the beginning so much into yeah. Let's go to uh. Moss Eisley. Yes, yes. Um, I think this is also where we get the most introduction of the super shitty stuff that I don't like, which is the added, because we all watch the Disney Plus version of Star Wars, um, and there's multiple updates and CGI things that have been added into these original Star Wars movies over the years, and I just hate it. I can't stand all the extra critters that they put in there and also the Jabba thing. Well the so yeah. that that's that's from George. That's yeah. not Disney Plus. That's George. George put that in when he digitally revamped 
the the movies and stopped production of the old copies. Right. He I'm not saying Disney, Disney Plus oh, no, no, didn't no, no, no. re-edit this movie. I'm just saying that the version on Disney Plus is the yeah. latest George yeah. uh, mess around. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I honestly, I don't mind a lot of it. I th- you know, it doesn't really bother me to just see like some extra little snippets of Moss Eisley. It's like, oh, cool. You know, there's stuff going on in Moss Eisley. There's, you know, lots of people. You know, I just, it's like, okay, cool. Yeah. I, it doesn't add anything, but it doesn't take away anything for me. But the whole thing with Jabba, I'm just like, that should have been cut like it originally was. Yes. <laughs> it was not in the theatrical version. It should never have been in the theatrical version, and I don't understand why he put it back in. It's so it's so stupid, and Han repeats his lines like four times as a result of it. Yeah, yeah. I I think they're trying to be like, "Ooh, look, it connects to the later movie," but it's like if you're paying attention, you know that it connects to the later movie. Yeah, like the, yeah. the Greedo scene is really all you need to know. Like, okay, he's like on the run, basically. Yeah, and then there's the Greedo scene, which everyone's upset about. <laughs> well, not yeah, only that, but this whole fact that, that Han has a debt that he needs to pay is the motivation for him in his entire trilogy. It's his reason for being angsty. Um, well, one of his reasons for being angsty in Empire Strikes Back is like, I gotta go now. Thanks, Princess, for not, you know, like, saying goodbye to me properly. You know, I'm just trying to pay off my debt so I don't die, bitch. <laughs> and then the third movie, he is trapped and given to Jabba the Hutt as payment. And so they have to break him out of Jabba's... It's like, that's the whole... You and don't it's... need this extra scene. It's, it's yeah. completely laid out bef- before you. If you haven't figured it out that he has a debt to pay to a guy named Jabba... You haven't been paying attention at all. It's his whole motivation for taking on Luke and Obi-Wan in the first place. Exactly. I Yeah, it just, it really bothers me so much. Uh, it, it's weird that, like, the elements of the movie that are older, so, like, not the CG stuff, you, it, you don't notice it. It doesn't stand out. Nothing stands out about that. But then when you, like... All of that stuff, which now is old, that when it was added, it was new. Like, it just looks awful because we know what good CG looks like. And that's not good CG. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. no, it's really bad. I think they should have like left the, it as the do like how the do are walking around or... Um, yeah, I know, there was a... A lot of them stood out. But then when you're in the bar and you see all these, uh, like most of the aliens are just costume. Yeah. Those look, those still look great. Absolutely. I 100% agree. (laughs) I I concur. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, do you guys want to talk about, I I think at this point we've kind of talked about the universe a fair amount. Do you guys want to talk about the, the characters themselves and. Yeah. Kind of yeah. your feelings about them, especially after seeing these so many times and or even trying to see them again for the first time. Yeah, I think that the acting in this is just feels really incredible to me. Like 
even though most of the cast is like pretty pretty young um and like not big actors at the time they are really impressive in this movie i think mark hamill is mugging it quite a bit though yeah like some some of it feels a little <laughs> bit like angsty but if you compare it to like other like if if you compare him to like other actors of similar age since then i th- i think it's pretty impressive what he's doing i also think that what he's doing fits with the character cuz luke is so earnest at this point he's yeah. he's so um kind of pure in a way he's so idealistic he of course he's going to react this way so i don't think it's bad at all i think it's you know i'm the young innocent who just got put out into the universe and everybody else around him are, is has way more experience than he does. Yeah, I and, I really I like the scene. Badass. <laughs> I like the scene when uh, when they're talking about Leia and and Luke's like like what do you, like what do you think, Han? And he's like, uh, I don't know. I don't really like her. And picks up that Luke is like kind of excited by that. And then he's like, <laughs> I don't know. You think? You think her and a guy like me and Luke's just like, no, no. I know. I wrote that down too. I was like, there's no way. I love that. I love that line. And then you could just see Harrison Ford's face. He's like, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I read your little, your little charade there, boy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's I think. so funny. I think truthfully what makes this movie, because um, even just dividing it up into parts the whole first part where they're you know on Tatooine and then in space going to Alderaan is it's fairly quiet and not super exciting dialogue I would say because it's a lot of uh Star Wars jargon and a little bit of backstory like explaining the force um Mm -hmm. all this stuff but once they get on the Death Star and it's just our three main heroes they take this dialogue and run with it. It's fantastic. Yeah. Their interactions are what makes this movie is that that core three of actors. Because the way that they're jumping off of each other and kind of yelling at each other and it's a little chaotic and they're kind of cracking jokes and don't really trust each other, trying to figure out where they stand uh, with each other. It's just, it's fantastic. It's it's what brings the whole movie alive and is why it's just so good. Yeah. Pretty, pretty <laughs> much. Uh, I mean, what, what else can you say? Um, you know, this is, this is the only time that, I mean, this movie and American Graffiti are the only two times that George Lucas has written a screenplay with actually decent dialogue. Everything else is just like, no, stop it. Um, but I, I completely agree that there is a chemistry with these three that, um, you know, they tried to replicate it with the new trilogy. I would argue that they did not succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it is. It's, it's it, I, we keep coming back to this theme of simplicity. It is so simple. You have these three people who are in the middle of their own 
journeys and they all want to be in charge of their own journeys but there's two other people in the way who have the same kind of emotion about it and they're just it's like no no my my journey takes precedent it's like no i'm in charge of the rebellion i need to get these plans to the place well i need the money so i need you to follow my lead so i can get you off of this place as quickly as possible so that you can pay me well i need to go learn the force and i need to go save the girl and the girl it's so it's this triangle of confusion but they're all kind of going the same direction yeah (laughs) they're kind of they're kind of tied together against their wills in a lot of ways and just have to figure it out and work together to get out of the Death Star. And in that regard, you kind of feel bad for Chewie, who has to just sit back and be like, uh... Chewie's the adult in the room. Probably. (laughs) He's 250 years old, so yeah. Yeah. I would love to hear Chewie's inner monologue. God, what are they talking about? (laughs) But, um... And I I do think another thing about the characters being really simple, it's they also just fit together very well where there's not a lot of too much overlap between any of them where it's like Luke is the young, like idealistic, innocent, and Leia is supposed to be the damsel in distress but is not in distress at all Mm -hmm. and is totally the leader, like taking charge. As soon as they come to rescue her, she's like, "Uh, what? I'm going to what are you guys doing? I'm going to come up with a plan myself because you guys don't know what's up. And then you have Han who is the snarky kind of unbeliever out for himself person, the selfish one. And you have to have all these three personalities work in tangent. Yeah. And it just, it fills it all in together really well where there isn't, I don't feel that there's anyone missing. Agreed. Yeah, I and I think had they made Leia just like damsel in distress and didn't make her the way she is, I think this movie would just like kind of the end of this movie I think would be a total flop without her like being basically being in charge and being like no like cuz at first when Luke meets Han, Han's like, "Oh, you don't know anything about the galaxy." And then Leia joins in and she's like, no, Han, you don't understand anything about the galaxy. It's like... <laughs> yeah, I... It, it, I it was like, there's levels to this, you know? And Leia's and like, yeah. like, I read about... I learned about the galaxy <laughs> from my hollow teacher. I'm like, cool. Yeah. yeah, way to go, buddy. Great, you're the dumbest one here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so pure and simplistic. Um... <laughs> I mean, I just, I also, uh, back to what you were saying about Leia, Matt, is I think that it is really important that she is portrayed the way she is. Even in the first scene where we meet her, um, within five seconds, she has a pistol and you go, oh, this isn't some, this isn't just a girl who's waiting around to be saved. You know this from the first moment that you see her. Um, She's an active participant in this whole fight in this universe in this story and uh, I just really love that they did that because especially once they get to the Death Star and they're going oh we have to save the princess it sounds really stupid it sounds 
it's very hero's journey fairy tale stuff oh let's go save the princess before she's killed by the bad guys and then she's just going i was gonna get out of this (laughs) yeah yeah can someone get this walking carpet out of my way (laughs) great just great (laughs) aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper exactly (laughs) just so much sass and, and I love how, um, I mean, it's very unintentional, but I, I kind of like how whenever she is in a formal situation, um, you know, facing off with Tarkin, you know, trying to be Imperial, she does that are like, coincidentally, that's also the times where she's doing the British accent. Yes. Um, <laughs> but and, and then the rest of the time she's doing her her normal American accent. And while that's absolutely a fluke. I do kind of like it because throughout the movies, we kind of establish that the Imperials speak with British accents. And so you can kind of like explain it away in the fact that like she's when she's putting on her, I am a member of the dip of the Imperial Senate. She puts on her British accent. But when she is like, I'm a rebel, get the fuck out of my way. She goes American. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get my hands dirty now. Let's go. Yeah, time to get my hands dirty. Let's get off get rid of this elitist bullshit. <laughs> like into the garbage chute. Yeah, exactly. Um I love it. She gra- I mean she grabs the gun, blasts the hole, yells into the garbage chute and dives in first herself. Yeah. It's it's pretty it's fantastic. Like, um, I just also wanted to bring up this one part. It doesn't really have anything to do with what we were just talking about, but I just wanted to talk about Han's line when they break into the, the prison block and he goes, he goes, we're all fine here. How are you? And just winces and goes, oh, fuck, that was stupid to say. <laughs> and you can see how embarrassed he's just going, oh, that was so dumb. Why would I ask? How are you? You can just see it all over his face. And it makes me laugh every time it's like, just why did a, I say that? it's just a brilliant <laughs> brilliant little moment because <laughs> you can because also the whole death star sequence of them getting out is so much of them you can tell no one really knows what they're doing and no one has a plan they're all just yeah. kind of making it up and they're all kind of fucking up in their own little ways just the only one who has a plan and is succeeding is obi-wan and he's just like leave it to me i'll go get the th- i'm the I'll adult the here beam. <laughs> yeah i i will it's another kind of off-topic thing but uh kind of on the idea i mean it is on the death star and also the idea of like changes that they made to the movie post you know in the second round can we just bring to light how George Lucas can have a sense of humor, and he does when uh, the stormtroopers break into the room where the droids were hiding, um, and there's the one stormtrooper who's too tall, and he hits his head on the door. Yep. And I was... and, and in in the digital revamping, George not only let that state. He added a donk sound so you can hear his helmet hit the door. I mean, to add into this of stuff that George Lucas 
has that's pretty funny is when Obi-Wan is uh taking down or taking down the tractor beam and those two stormtroopers are just stop and like have a conversation on the bridge and they go, What do you think it is? Maybe it's another drill. And you can tell they do drills all the time and they're both just annoyed with it. Like, oh, maybe it's another drill. I don't know. Did you see that new TK blah, 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 like whatever number robot? And they're having a discussion about really mundane shit. And I just think it's great that in the background of this space wizard, that, you know, helping them escape, these two stormtroopers are just having, you know, a work like a water cooler moment in the Death Star. <laughs> also, C-3PO just, like, totally outsmarting that group of stormtroopers. He's like, we got locked in here! Oh! And they all just leave. And then he's like, left with Duh. that one lone stormtrooper. He's like, alright, time to put my, my wits to work here. Excitement <laughs> has overworked the circuits and my friend here. <laughs> We gotta go. I request that we go down to maintenance. Yeah, no problem. Um, and so while we're talking about our characters, there's one big one that we have not really talked about, and that is the dun, villain of our story. Dun 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 dun. dun. Darth Vader. Ba boom. I Let's talk about literally it. <laughs> screamed when he said, I find your lack of faith disturbing. I was like, what? It's a, I mean, it's a great scene. It, I was thinking about that scene where, where they're, you know, in the, I guess it's basically a conference room. It's a war room or whatever. <laughs> and, and all the this conference room on the Death Star and all the generals are talking and Darth Vader isn't sitting down and he doesn't say it too much during the scene but you can feel his presence just by the outfit and the breathing where you're like oh that's the person with the power in the room they're not leading this discussion but they're the ones who you know he's the one with the final say you know he's the one who's going to enforce what he wants to do and I just think that's super cool but it's also I mean yes and no he's more of like the guard dog yeah. because he's always standing behind Tarkin. Tarkin is the one with the actual power, but it is, I completely agree. It is that his, you know, his presence is always there. Like, don't fuck with me. I will sick my dog on you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I mean, like the his whole, I mean, obviously Darth Vader is one of the most iconic villains ever created. Um, and it's just rewatching this today. I was just thinking about the design. I mean, it's a pretty outlandish design. His whole outfit—it could be really stupid looking, but yeah, it really works. And especially combined with the breathing, where you always know he's around. It's it's he fills the space just through sound design. Which I think is really cool. I think it's also like the most complicated part of his outfit is his chest, which has all the little buttons on it, and his helmet. <laughs> and but the rest of it, he's just in pure black. And when you see him enter the first time, it's such an entrance. 
you know, white hallways filled with smoke, all these stormtroopers, they're all in white, and then this huge person in all black, and he puts his hands on his hips to stick out his elbows, and the entire hallway just turns black because he just fills it. And I think yeah. from that point on, you're like, I don't care if he looks ridiculous. You don't fuck with that guy. <laughs> and, you know, later on when he's interrogating the guy and holding him up by his throat. I I I always laugh at that moment. My friend sent me a meme a long time ago um, that just said, uh, true leaders don't put people down they lift them up and it had a picture of Darth Vader lifting the guy by the neck <laughs> I was like yes <laughs> that's amazing they lift, you up. they lift you up so much that you're choking <laughs> oh that's so funny I love it I love it it's brilliant it makes me so happy every time So <laughs> something in that war room scene always I, I think Ever since I was young, I've always thought, you know, after he chokes the guy, and um, and he like falls back to the table, and there's like like that little yellow light under his head. You know uh-huh. what I'm talking about? For yeah. some reason, I always like in my head just thought that he just had like thrown up a glowing like egg yolk or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, gross. <laughs> I was always like, oh, like, what the hell? But it what is a that? galaxy far, far away. You never know. It's not yeah. like they explain these things to us. So. No. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. What's, what's uh, for breakfast? Glowing egg yolks. <laughs> of course. Why not? Of course. We've seen them eat really weird things in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> yep. Some really weird things. But yeah, Darth... <laughs> Darth Vader is just so much. And I also, I mean, back to them not really explaining a lot. You know that there's this backstory between Obi-Wan and Darth Vader, but they don't get into it. It's very simple. They're just like, ah, I was a pupil. You're the master. And they don't explain how any, like, they're falling out. Nothing. You just know that there is immense history here between these two characters, and you're watching the culmination of years and years of their history together finally coming to a head in this lightsaber battle. Which, Which reminds I, me of that, of that video I sent you guys. I, I've sent it to both of you. It's a short little video, like 10 seconds of uh, kind of moments along the history of Star Wars of Obi-Wan and Anakin when Anakin is a little kid and then he grows up and then he grows up again and then they have like the fights with Dooku and then there's Anakin's betrayal and then it comes together with the two of them crossing swords on the Death Star and you're, it just builds up so immensely and you're like, oh my god! Is, and, is that yeah. the animated one that you said? Yeah, the little animated one that yeah. I said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was awesome. Right? And every single time I watch it, I'm just like, whoa! It might be 10 seconds long, but this is ridiculously cool! Yeah, I just, I like all this. You know that this relationship is important. You're not really sure why yet. But it's, I just think it, the whole scene conveys so much um, of the two of them finally meeting face-to-face after 
you know, as we know, a long time, but in the movie, you're not really sure. Yeah. Completely agree. And, and I wonder, is it... Do you think... It, it, so if, if you had never, never seen the other movies before, you've just seen this one, is it mm -hmm. obvious that Vader is, like, the one big bad? Is, is it obvious, do you think? Or... Um, because I'm wondering if, like, did people come away from seeing this thinking he was, like, the Captain Phantasma of, of this trilogy? Or Captain Phasma or whatever it was. I think I forget. he <laughs> was, and I think this is actually um, what makes this trilogy super great, is for this first movie alone, Darth Vader is the big bad. It's the outfit, it's the presence, it's the, he's also has... The you know knows the force, right? You're going. Oh, this is the person that's going to be the person to be, especially once he kills Obi Wan, uh, and it puts Luke on that path of this is the person who just essentially killed my my father figure in a way. So so that's going to set you up as the person that I'm going to go up against, mm. just in in basic storytelling. Because there's a mention of the emperor, so you. But there's nothing. It's just a sentence or two sentences ever said about the emperor. So you're not really even aware that that's going to become your ultimate big bad um, by the end of the trilogy. And I think that what makes the the trilogy as a whole with Darth Vader so amazing is this first one is Darth Vader is just the big bad, and in the second mm -hmm. one is when you get. Oh, Darth Vader is also a human being, and you get all the backstory of mm -hmm. oh, this person's actually way more important. I just thought he was a villain to go up against, but now I realize he's way more important and integral to this entire um, arc for our heroes, right? Um, yeah, and, yeah, that makes and sense. I was saying to I was saying to Brennan that that's something that I think they kind of messed up with the new trilogies because you already knew so much about Kylo Ren and who he was as a person in the first movie you he was never really seemed like he was the big bad you knew he could never be the villain because you already saw too much humanity in him whereas Darth Vader is such like this wall of like black villainy in the first movie with very little humanity attached at all yeah, definitely. I, I think it's good also that they didn't have... Like, I think a lot of movies would have rushed to have Luke face Darth Vader in the first movie. You know? Kind of like how, how Rey and Finn fight Kylo at the end of uh, Force Awakens. Or, or like any movie where they just, like, they want to fit... They want to show the hero versus the villain immediately, right. you know? Right, absolutely. Yeah, because, I mean, ultimately, when I, Luke and Darth Vader pretty much don't interact at all in this movie. Luke sees Darth Vader kill Obi-Wan, and then Darth Vader feels that he has the Force when he's chasing him in the, uh, uh, the TIE Fighter. But that's it. Yeah. Darth Vader doesn't even know Luke's name in the first movie. No. Luke is completely inconsequential to him in the first movie. He's after Obi-Wan Kenobi and that's it. 
Yeah. Which I think is great because, I mean, it would be weird not having a sequel leaving it like that, but it just sets it up so well for the next movie where that's the thing to look forward to is these two finally facing each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, it, it's it's a great moment because as the story goes on, we, I mean, we learn that there is a... a a string connecting these two characters. There is a destiny, a reckoning that needs to be played out with these two characters. And it's kind of fun that in the first movie, they have no idea the other exists. They have no interest in the other. Do not care. (laughs) They are right next to each other. Vader even has another interaction when he tries to shoot him down in, in his ship. But that never actually ends up happening whatsoever. And then in the second movie, you're like, oh, damn! Oh, damn! It makes it, I think it makes it really great to, because also I think, Matt, another thing that you you might be alluding to is also a lot of times um, we have the the first interaction between the villain and the hero, and it's, oh, the hero's not ready yet, so they get beat real bad. And then the second yeah. movie, they have to come back and prove themselves. Whereas this one, Luke's not ready at all. No. Yeah. He he would die if he tried to he do anything totally now. Die. <laughs> yeah. Luke doesn't know shit. <laughs> Luke is still playing around with his little robot shooter on the ship. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I can hold it. I can turn it on and I can turn it off. But I don't know. <laughs> I've never actually used it on anyone. <laughs> yeah, I, I, mean, I think it's good. That, and I think that's probably where you can look at Empire and, and be like, this is the movie, because this is where we actually see Luke train and get better, and you start seeing Luke become the character that we've been wanting him to be. But um, in this movie, he's still... You know, he's a, a minor... A minor character. But this is also where I, I love how Star Wars is multimedia. You know, if you read the comics, there's a whole comic where Darth Vader hires um Boba Fett to find information on quote unquote the rebel pilot that destroyed the Death Star. And then he learns the name. It's like I didn't get Boba Fett comes back, he's like, I didn't get much, but I did get a name. Luke Skywalker. And <laughs> and that's when Darth Vader's like, hmm. I mean, yeah. I'm a little curious. <laughs> Sorry, oh, you so you mentioned Boba Fett. I've I've heard some like theories that stormtroopers actually weren't the ones that killed uh Uncle Owen and Aunt Peru, that it was actually some people think that it was um, Boba Fett that killed them. What do you What do you think? Is that possible? I would say it's the stormtroopers. Um, but uh, I do recall in the comics a moment where um, Darth Vader is on Tatooine, looking over the burning of the homestead. Hmm. Interesting. 
But I don't know. I think that's after the fact, though. Yeah, I mean, is it possible I mean, yeah. since we don't see it actually happen? Yeah, it's possible, but is it probable? No, because just based on no. the, the actual storytelling, we know the stormtroopers are on the planet for the express purpose of finding those robots. True, you know, and they did. The they hunted down the Jawas. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. It makes the yeah. it's it's a logical progression of because they're following it. They're following the tracks of the droids, right, to where they were sold. Yeah. And yeah, and so yeah, I just think the Boba Fett thing is is reaching for it for sure. True. Um, yeah. But yeah, I. It's an interesting. Thing because I mean, so many people. There's so many theories about these movies. My favorite is still the the Jedi <laughs> Jedi droid. <laughs> I forget what they named it. Uh, have you guys heard this? What I don't think so. So it's when when um, C3PO and R2D2 are being bought from the Jawas, they choose that uh, other robot, the red one first, and it explodes. Yeah. There's a whole Wikipedia page about this robot. <laughs> it's so funny. It's obviously a joke, but it's hilarious. Where it's a whole fan backstory that the robots actually in touch with the Force and knew that R2D2 needed to go with them. So committed suicide self-destructed so that R2 could go with them and so that this whole story could happen. And it's all thanks to this one robot. <laughs> it's so stupid. And it's like pages. It's so I long. Mean, that is so much fun and I absolutely love it. I do think it is ultimately a whole lot of wishful thinking. Well, but... yeah, it's not true. It's just oh, no. <laughs> Yeah. No, I completely understand that. But it is, it's so much fun. I completely agree. Yeah, the, the fan theories can be, some of them can be a little much, but some of them are just funny and hilarious and make me laugh. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess, is there anything else you guys that we haven't touched on that you want to talk about? Oh, I can think of one thing, but I want to put it out to you guys first. If there's anything right. you've been What's dying that? to talk about. Um, nothing that comes to mind. Shoot, go for it. Oh, I was just going to talk about, um, just because I'm invested in this, the Han Solo Princess Leia interactions at in this first movie, I think are just fantastic. It is quintessential like enemies to lovers stuff where they just they annoy each other too much at the beginning you're going oh those two are going to end up together and i just enjoy how much they just hate each other in the beginning it yeah. cracks me up and luke's got luke is so naive he's just watching this going they'll net han doesn't have a chance they hate each other she's gonna be into me and <laughs> <laughs> oh Luke, no <laughs> Luke's definitely the kind of guy that'd be like why don't girls like nice guys like me <laughs> absolutely it's definitely got that dynamic to it where Han's just like just he's just a bad boy you know mm -hmm. yep absolutely I, I think that's really great um, 
And the only other thought that I had was also just about how obviously we know later in the movies how everyone is interconnected. You know, Darth Vader and Luke and Leia and everything. But I love in this movie, nobody knows shit. Nobody knows anything. The only person who knows anything is Obi-Wan Kenobi and he dies. <laughs> yep. Yep. Nothing is ever explained. Obi-Wan Kenobi could explain the entire thing, but doesn't. And therefore, we have all these characters that are actually super more entangled than they think they are. Running around thinking all these crazy things like Luke being attracted to Leia. Bad idea. Bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would have been funny for Obi-Wan to just be like, Maybe not, buddy. Maybe not. <laughs> I'll tell you later why that's not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it doesn't... Uh, <laughs> it is... It. I mean, this is everything that I, I really wish was in the new trilogy. You know, it's... Uh, I mean, again, this is a total conversation for a different day and definitely for a different podcast, but um, the chemistry in this movie is just so great. You know, it's it's that same idea of, like, if you make something perfect, it's not interesting. If you make something imperfect, you are obsessed with trying to fix it. Right? And And that's totally the case here of you have all these characters that are so imperfect and because they're imperfect, you care so much about them. Whereas the, the new trilogy, I, I don't feel that at all. Yeah. I, I think the, like this first movie is so simple, but I think it, it's really hard to recreate it. Like, I don't know what it is about it, but like you, you look at it and there's nothing like, I mean, we've already said it, it basically feels like a homemade video. Like, um, but you can't really catch the same like lightning in a bottle effect from it. Yeah, I also even, think even with like a billion dollars to throw it at the new mm -hmm. trilogy. And I also think it's a product of its time as well. I mean, now we have so many movies and we've seen sort of a lot of the same storylines get played out again and again. Yeah, so I think that yeah. if this came out today, people would be really um, not as invested because it's not complicated and it's not, you know, you can see what's going to happen a mile away. People aren't into it. But at the time when it came out, I think it came out at the right time where it spoke to a very certain feeling. And... Mm. And that's been passed along through people just appreciating it. But if this were a movie coming out today, I think people would be uh, not as invested in in the plot. Um, and what really sells oh, it yeah, is the, the acting as well. And you, that's it's very hard a lot of times to find that kind of that chemistry. Yeah, yeah, the acting, and then yeah, I think the fact that it was new. But now, it, now it's not new. So, like, a lot of directors feel like they have to top what came before, you know? <laughs> and yeah. maybe they're right. Like, maybe maybe if they just tried to create the same thing, like, actually the same thing, it would have tanked. So. Well, I mean, I think they 
they did try to make the same they, thing. Try, yeah, I guess they Force did. And... <laughs> I mean, Force Awakens is literally a carbon copy of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Part, yeah. Parts of it are, I think, but some of the things we were just talking about are different, like the, uh, like facing the enemy at the end of the movie. And so there were like, but it comes from like the same kind of cookie cutter, um, like three, three heroes kind of idea. So yeah, there are a lot of similarities, but. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think, uh, unless there's anything else, I think. I think I want to bring this more towards the end of yeah. talking about this film in terms of how how it sets up for the next movie. Even though you could watch this movie and you could watch it as a standalone, ultimately. But I just want to talk about how how everything is all set up for where we're about to go. I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> put that out there to you guys to think about yeah um let's see i mean maybe so the beginning think... oh sorry go. so i think the first way it sets it up is um f- like coming out of the final battle one thing that that i noticed was um on the death star side they're talking about like oh they've got like 30 30 pilots that are uh, like going at us, and then as the Death Star blows up and they're flying away, you see that there's only four ships remaining, and one of them is the Millennium Falcon, and one of them is Luke. So, and then I guess the other one was Wedge, and then some random person who I'm not some sure. Another person. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's like everyone oh, else dies. They literally all died. Mm-hmm. Um. So. It sets it up as being really, to me, it, it's a victory, but it's like a desperate victory. It's yeah, it's the proper victory of a rebellion going up against a planet-sized space station that can destroy a planet. Yeah. Well, it's it. I mean, I think it also sets it up as this is a battle in a longer war. We won today, but we haven't won this whole thing. Yeah, like um, we survive to the next battle, kind of. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that this also this ending also sets up. We now have solidified that this core group of three people is are now close together and friends and are going to continue to journey forward together. Because in the middle of this movie, you're going, I don't know, Han Solo might split. That's kind of his whole thing that he keeps saying, and he finally makes the choice and accepts accepts this call. Uh, to bring it back to the hero's journey to join the rebellion um, and to stand with his friends. And so, especially when Luke gets out of his ship, when they get back to base and they all, all three of them like run together and hug each other. And they're like, so excited to see each other and congratulating one another. It's. And they're like, I knew you'd come back. Like, (laughs) did you? (laughs) You were really bummed a couple (laughs) minutes ago. (laughs) But that, that scene that particularly that hug is like, all right, these are our, this is our core. These are our people. They're together in this. They have formed this bond that is going to carry us into the next film. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Also, the number of looks in the ceremony scene 
that they yeah. were giving each other. It's like, what? <laughs> 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 Sticky Han Solo wink. Sticky wink. Yeah, and the little the little smile from Leia just like, I see you. <laughs> I see what's going on. Um, I see what's going on here. Um, and we also have, of course, Darth Vader spinning through space in his little spaceship. Yeah. <laughs> and Which you're like, I oh, think... well, okay, he'll be back. Yeah, I think it's funny because it's it's not treated as a big deal. He just kind of spins off into space. It isn't some really huge dramatic thing. And then you kind of leave him out there. They never show him getting getting away necessarily you just see him riding the ship and then you never see him for the rest of the movie and it leaves it open to obviously he's going to come back but also it's not like a total defeat i don't know i don't know how i'm trying to explain this (laughs) yeah like how how long did it take him to get back from there you know did he have a built-in hyperdrive on that little tie fighter or did he have to like fly to the next system like what's going on there (laughs) I was thinking I mean, about that. Yeah. We don't know how he got back. Yeah, we we never find that out. We just he just at the same away. time. You you don't need to find out. He is a Sith, so true. He's and it makes it you wonder. He's the only survivor from the Death Star on that fight. Was it the Force's will that he survived that? Like that chance that he was the only one. Because he was just like he was not on board at the time. And I mean, I was also thinking about the fact that here he is. I mean, he's one of the top dogs, like right in in the Empire. Um, and he d- goes, "No, I'm going to get in the ship myself and go deal with this." Uh, but I do think that, especially after watching the prequels, Anakin was always a uh, hands-on. He was a warrior. So even though Darth Vader is very important, I like that it's still part of his personality. It's like, nah, I'm going to do this myself. I'm a man of action. I'll take care I, of it. That that might be one of our earliest hints that he's actually Luke's father because... Ooh, you're right. We, because earlier, Obi-Wan is like, oh, you're, like, your father was the greatest star, like, star fighter in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. And then That's we see true. Vader's like... Like, I, I know my stuff. I know my way around. I know how to fly one of these things, man. I'm the best yeah. in the galaxy. <laughs> Except for this brat who keeps strong with the forest, damn it. <laughs> yeah. The who are you? Like, <laughs> I, I wonder what the learning curve is like going from, uh, like, Jedi starfighter to a TIE fighter pilot. <laughs> oh, no. But no idea. I, but I do think that's interesting. I yeah, that's a that's a good call, Matt. I mean, and, and yeah, he's the only survivor of this whole thing, which is pretty wild. Um, and then just goes and regroups, and then I mean, even before the next one, he learns Luke's name by the time we get to the crawl of the next movie, which means I'm assuming because uh, the ceremony at the end of the movie where they're uh making a big deal about luke and han and and everybody who fought and came back i mean and it's not even everyone who came back it's just our (laughs) characters right they're like ah wedge whatever (laughs) you survived yeah i like how they didn't like wasn't part of the ceremony like what the hell 
I was there too. <laughs> I also did stuff. There's only four of us that survived. <laughs> we could be up on a pedestal, but I'm assuming because they've kind of, at this point been at the end of this movie been anointed as rebel heroes. That's where their name rings, where the name of Luke Skywalker begins to ring out. And that's probably where Darth Vader first hears it. And that's why by the second one, he's obsessed with finding Luke Skywalker. Yeah. That could be, I mean, that's a, like, that's a big deal. That would, your name would spread after that, you know? Yeah, you just destroyed the Death Star. (laughs) Yeah. The most serious threat to the galaxy. Also, what, what do you think? Um, about having Biggs die. That's sad. It's sad, but it's also I always feel kind of indifferent about it because you don't you don't really get to know him, and you just yeah, it's yeah. Actually, I think it serves a purpose. Now that I'm thinking about it, because Biggs mm-hmm. was the only person who was really connecting Luke to his old life on Tatooine because obviously they had been friends before. Um, So his death leaves him completely open to continue his journey with Han and Leia as his two friends instead of having this other guy that he's known since childhood and, and the movies maybe, and it's not even, I, I mean, from a storytelling perspective, it makes sense. Of, oh, we don't need him connected to his old life necessarily. He's moving forward as into this new world with these new people. And these are going to be his, his I mean, chosen family and actual family <laughs> moving forward. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I think it makes sense to kill Biggs. Yeah, and I, I also yeah. kind of like that it puts him under like added pressure in that scene where when he's like trying to make the shot and like he just loses his best friend after just being reunited with him you know and so i think at least for the character that's like that would put him under immense pressure where he's gonna like he's gonna be distracted by that yeah i mean if you think about it luke has lost his aunt and uncle his mentor and his best friend in the course of what a month (laughs) Tops? Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. And we we don't really even see him shed a, like shed an actual tear. Like we see him like kind of look down at the ground. He's like, oh shit. Well, but he's we very don't upset. See him just like bawling. <laughs> no, I mean he's obviously very upset after he gets on the Millennium Falcon after Obi Wan dies. But that's the most emotion you really get. Yeah. Um. I. I mean. Uh, with his aunt and uncle, I feel that that's more of where he he doesn't cry because that's what resolves him to go on this journey. Because yeah. now he has yeah. nothing to stay for. And so it's not so much he doesn't have time to be upset about their death because he's just focusing on, well, what's the next thing that I have to do because I can't stay here? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like, though, his real removal from Tatooine life was his aunt and uncle. I mean, that was where... I mean, Biggs had already left. 
Right, but I'm I'm talking about just an emotional connection where this is someone I knew from back in the day. This is someone from my home world that yeah. we would, you know, go, hey, you know, what about that blue milk? Talk to each other about that or something, <laughs> you know? Now, now that life is completely gone. The last even small remnants of it have completely washed away, even if it wasn't a big thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, does anyone have also, any? Yeah, go go for it. So sorry on that scene too. Like, what? I thought it was funny how they like help wedge survive also. He kind of gets like the uh, the Darth Vader treatment there, where it's like, wait, well, we can't have this character die yet, so let's have him <laughs> escape somehow. <laughs> That'll be okay. Luke and I don't know that it felt like kind of a diss from Luke. He's like, you can't do anything back there. Get out of here. You're useless. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Go on. Get out of here. Save yourself. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's true. I was also in the trench scenes, I was a little confused by the um the number call outs that they were making where they're like they're like two ten point five. Like I have if I was in the cockpit and I was hearing people say that, I was I'd be like, Where? Huh? We're in a three D space. Why are you giving me one number? <laughs> well two ten I... makes sense. Two two ten makes sense. I mean, think of you know, three hundred angle. Two hundred ten degrees is, you know, behind you and a little to the left, right? I was thinking about a yeah. clock, and I was like, "Are there still clocks in space?" But but yeah, it's, it's point, still point five. Um, I don't understand, but um, yeah, it's still like a three D space. So it's like behind me and where, like up, down. I was actually know? thinking of that too. That you would have to do, you would have to give some kind of a call, like. 90 plus and then plus or minus something to say yeah. it's, it's to my right confusing. and below me <laughs> yeah it's to my right and above me at about this angle like you would have to say that but i don't know what point five is but i think the 210 i was like okay i get it they're yeah. coming from behind i get it <laughs> yeah 210 makes a little bit more sense but the yeah some of the other ones i was like what what are the numbers they say? <laughs> Probably nothing, actually. <laughs> Probably. It's like fighters coming in point three. Huh? I feel like it's just it's just George Lucas going, ah, oh, it's gotta make it sound exciting. 42, 51, hut, like we don't know. <laughs> True. <laughs> I mean a lot of the things the, the in this movie. Debate between uh Star Wars and Star Trek, right? Like Star Trek is based in actual scientific fact, whereas Star Wars is more of a future fantasy. Um, yeah, it's totally a fantasy. Yeah, it's um, got it's got a freaking princess for goodness' sake. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much like the end of my notes. Really, I didn't um, write any notes, but <laughs> Brent is just winging it. Oh yeah. I watch it and I was like, uh Well, okay. I have I have one more thing. Is uh, how do you what do you think about how the force is set up in this movie? I really I liked it. how <laughs> Obi Wan describes it. 
early in the movie, and then also kind of seeing uh, Luke use it at the end. I think because you hear a lot of people in the movie talk about it, like, "Oh, that that ancient religion, you like fanatic kind of deal." But then the way Obi Wan describes it, it makes it sound really beautiful. I think. Yes. I, yeah, I would say that it's. I like the way it's set up in this movie. They don't, they don't do anything particularly flashy or in, intense. They basically just set it up as um, the force is instincts. If you're, if you can use the force, it means that you can discern decisions beyond what a normal person probably could. Um, you know. Luke is moving his fighter just enough to stay out of the firing scope of Darth Vader. Um, you know, but but that's really cool because, like, in the second movie, in the third movie, we start getting to, you know, more of like a physical manifestation, the force influencing inanimate objects. Um, and then in the final one, we see ultimately, you know, the emperor shooting lightning out of his fingers. Um, but yeah, I, I like how, how it's set up again, you know, simplicity, soft storytelling. You can do a great deal, uh, with a fun idea on a small amount of information. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the way it's set up in this movie is really great. It's and I do think the way uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi describes it is really beautiful. And that's usually how I think about it. And not so much in the terms of how the other movies make it more complicated. Is like, it's, it is is what connects the universe. And you can, you can use it and manipulate it if you um, have the concentration and the training. But, you know, it's everywhere. It's in all of us. It's not just... Um, something that the Jedi have or the Sith have, it's it is all things, which I think is really cool to think about and very spiritual in a way. Um, and well, I believe it's an actual it. The Force is an actual religion from it's like it's from ancient India. I, I think. it's I not wouldn't... called the Force, but it is kind of this <laughs> idea of like there is a general energy field that connects us all it makes um, i mean it makes sense right but yeah. i it's kind of like I an gonna... alternative to god but yeah i think is like yeah, the kind of how they set it up in the movie yeah yeah mm -hmm. yeah. Like yeah it's the it's the interconnectedness of all things in the universe which i think is very yeah. cool and you only see it really manifested in this film it yeah as we said like in very subtle ways even i mean the most you really get from it is obi-wan kenobi convincing those stormtroopers that you know these are not the droids you're looking for that's probably the flashiest it gets in this yeah. film um and i really enjoy it where it's up it's something we are it's set and going back to setting up the next movie it sets it up where this is something we know luke needs to learn more about and we along with luke will learn more about the force as we move forward but for now we're you know we're novices we don't really know what it means we just know that it's important and it's powerful. And we know that 
Darth Vader is tapped into it and that the Jedi are tapped into it. Which is which also creates that connection of Darth Vader is the big bad because here's the only other person we've met in this entire world, in this entire universe, who also is connected to this force. Actually, that, that's the most, that's the flashiest thing we get is Darth Vader choking a guy on the deck. Oh, you're right. It's the it's the choke <laughs> that's thing. <laughs> that's the flashiest we get. I was just like, oh, ooh. <laughs> I find your lack of faith disturbing. Yeah, and uh, I yeah, I really like it in this movie. I think it's really great in that way. It is this template that we eventually add more and more onto as these movies go along. Um, yeah. And let's not forget. Peter Cushing is is filming most of his scenes wearing flippers. What? Oh, that's right. <laughs> he hated the boots and he wanted to be comfortable on set, so he shot most of his scenes in slippers. Yep. Great. He's so happy. It's like I don't like this. <laughs> um but yeah, I mean I think that's, that's everything. Yeah. yeah, I think that's pretty much everything for Star Wars. I think this was a really fun discussion of just a bunch of random stuff that we like and and all that good stuff. So this really sets us up for next week because we're going to do The Empire Strikes Back, the best movie in the entire Star Wars universe as far as I'm concerned. Um, so can't wait to do that everyone's one. Everyone's favorite. I mean, it's the old, uh, and we will talk. I will talk extensively about this next week. It it is the best one for many yeah. reasons, um, and I'm really excited. And I think this sets us up really well. A lot of the things that we talked about uh, this time for where we're going to go in our our next movie. So that's great. Um, Brennan, any housekeeping? Um. Uh, yes. Uh, we have reached 200 and, or sorry, 750 episode downloads. Woo! Look at us. Woo! thousand. We are so cool. Um, we are the best. We are awesome. The um, most popular people on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> um, Obviously. This is, so something really weird happened the other day. I don't know what it is, but our episode about the animated Mulan movie has now 122 downloads. What? I know. I don't understand. Our second place episode is Hamilton, our first one with 33. I don't know what's going on, but... Maybe it's a bot. Yeah. I don't trust it's real people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't believe I don't it. Understand it, but cool. If hey uh, Boyd, if you are real people, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, I also uh want to say to the Void, um, you done me wrong. I asked you. I begged you to send in an email requesting that my sister do an impression of Ozai, and three weeks. Four weeks later, not a single email has come in. Nobody wants to hear me do that, Brennan. You've Nobody. done me wrong, Void. You've done me wrong. That I is now off the that. table. Not till <laughs> next time I try and fail at an impression do you get to put another one of those in our <laughs> email slot. No. If anyone, if anyone 
sends an email saying, we want to hear Aaron do an impression of Fire Lord Ozai. I will force you to do it. <laughs> Fair. Um, I'm assuming we still have not heard from Mark Hamill or Dante Bosco. <laughs> we have not heard from either of them. It sounds like Mark has been busy, and it also sounds like Sir Dante has been busy as well. So, um, you know, I I will accept it. Um, I'll give you a pass this time. We'll give you a pass uh, for this past year. Um, hopefully this next year will be a little bit better. Um, and you can um, actually say hi to us. And that would be very <laughs> cool. Because we're definitely going to be tagging both of them in this. Forever. <laughs> Forever. Until we hear back from them. So the sooner you respond back, the sooner we'll stop tagging oh. you. <laughs> Yep, that is that is the truth. Um, so, if you want to email us and tell me that I need to do an impression of Fire Lord Ozai, Brennan, what is our email address? <laughs> it is p-s-h-h-t-t-h-e-m-e-s at gmail.com. That is our email. Uh, yeah. Also out there for Mark Hamill and Dante Bosco to send us a personal email. Uh, yeah. Just, to tell just us wanna, to shut up. Tell us to stop. Um, so besides that, Matt, thank you so much again for joining us. Um, always a pleasure. And uh, we're going to be all set up for next week. The Empire Strikes Back and, back and Matt will be back. So yeah. we got you for like three weeks. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, see you guys next week. It'll be fun. Awesome. All right. Your fate is tied to ours now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you made the choice to join the rebellion. Here you are. <laughs> <laughs> the Han Solo of the group. <laughs> I've got my debts to pay. <laughs> i got things to do with all the money we make off this podcast. Um, <laughs> All you think about money. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Void, we will catch you later. Be right. safe. Get vaccinated. We love you all. All right. Cheers. Bye.